What's up, everyone? We're back with, I don't know what episode number we're on. I think we're on six, um, but we're going to talk about Black Panther. And I have a guest on the show today. Dave is on the show. Do you want to say hello? Hey, everyone. How's it going? Hope everyone's doing well. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Black Panther. Lauren will be here in a little bit to talk about what she thought of the movie, but we're going to talk about, like, womanhood, um, the black experience, the African experience, and with a slight twist to the Caribbean experience that is not seen in this film. Um, other highlights we're going to talk about is just how amazing it is because it was epic. Like Top movie, if the Oscars doesn't have it out there, I think we're going to have a lot more issues than we've had in past years. I really don't think that's going to be an issue. Like If they, if they forget this film, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? Like This has made more money... In one weekend. Then. <laughs> and like, I think all of Justice League. Yeah. I think it was like 200 million, 400 million by President's Day. Yeah. And well, it also raised 242 million in its opening weekend, which is like one of the top five movies of all time. Not to mention, I mean, when you meet your budget in the first weekend. You're, you're good. You're good. Everything <laughs> is literally profit after that. Like, what else could you ask for? Yeah. I'm sure Ryan Coogler right now is like, I made an amazing thing. I bet y'all met it. Exactly. Especially because I was reading that Sony Pictures had the opportunity to buy the rights to Black Panther, Thor, and I believe Iron Man or Captain America, those three for $20 million, I allegedly read, and they turned it down, and I was like, woof. I bet you they're feeling real crunchy right now, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, well. well I'm, I'm super proud that like Disney and Marvel decided to rewrite their history and do something amazing with it. Um this film, if you haven't seen it at this point, you should probably not listen to this podcast because we're definitely going to give stuff away. Um, so if you haven't seen it by now, please go see it. Go support them. It's amazing. Everything from like the costuming, the script is amazing, the acting is great. So it's, it's just like a really good, really good movie. I think that it's going to stand pretty much the test of time. It's knocked out a lot of people's like oh. favorite movies. And these are like cult classics, like Love and Basketball, which I'm just like, are you sure about this? I mean, as someone that really loves Love and Basketball, about that. I mean, it's a it's a huge milestone, and it's, it's such a great movie. Like there was so much hype that was just like satisfied when people saw it. Like everyone is more like, when are you going to see it twice, or when are you going to see it like a third time? Like it's not just if you've seen it once, like okay, you've made it somewhat into like <laughs> yeah. the realm of being like okay, but you're only really cool if you've seen it like two or three times. Yeah. Um, and I definitely recommend seeing it more than once because there are going to be things you're going to see and pick up on the second and third time that you didn't see the first time because there was just so much beautiful things, so many beautiful things that were going on um, throughout the movie. Um, I definitely feel like the sand, the way they incorporated sand into it um, when they were doing the storytelling and part of the technology, I was like, that is really, really Look at cool. him coming through with the sand, y'all. <laughs> like, it was amazing. Like, all of the tech, I was, I'm a techie, and I was just yeah. like, oh my gosh, like, this is still, this isn't like 3,000, you know, 3,040, this is like, set in like contemporary, like the yeah. contemporary world. So I, I felt like that was an amazing part of it. Yes, and actually we can we can start go back to where it started, which is um, it starts in Oakland in 1992. Um, Oakland being a special place for this film to be set, um, one because the director's from there, um, but also because that's the like birthplace of the Black Panther Party historically, and so that's like even cooler to like give it context for the movie of what it's about to be, especially part of like 
the black experience having so many issues there. I think that's something that's really interesting to like note. Um, and actually, these two things were started independently of each other. So um, it's been rumored that like, oh, this is where they got their name. When it's like, actually, like Stan Lee made this year a few years before then, and then they started, and like coincidentally, they have the same name. A lot of great coincidences <laughs> that like just make it even better. Yes, it, it's amazing. And so starting there, and then you see like. This is where the spoilers are, so just, if you haven't listened, like, for real, I'm trying to, like, prompt you, don't, don't ruin it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, just to be, like, I mean, when it was, uh, before I had seen it that Friday, I've been dodging articles, dodging, you know, all these different things, people are talking statuses and whatnot, because you just, I, I'm one of those people, if there's a movie I don't necessarily want to see in theaters, but I want to know what happens, I'll go on Wikipedia and just, like, read the plot. I, <laughs> I refuse to do it for Black Panther because I was like, I'm going to see this movie and not, like, and I'm going to experience all of that. Yeah. Um, so I definitely just, like, y'all got to go out and see it. I'm see just it. like, and if you're not seeing, like, when you see people doing, like, the, I call it just, like, the Black Panther handshake, which we're, me and my friends are trying to make a thing. Um, it's a thing. We're it's trying. A thing. We're, trying. Well. That's you, literally how we greet everyone, though. We're exactly. just like, <laughs> you have to do up. it. You have to, you have to cross your arms. If you don't know what that is, like, I'm sorry, you're just out of the loop. Yes. But it's, loop. <laughs> it starts with, um, Sterling K. Brown sort of telling the story, which is amazing because I think a lot of people didn't know that he was in it. And so that was like a really cool moment, um, sort of shocking. Um, but then also Forrest Whitaker's son, Denzel, who's playing baby him in the movie, which I just think is like a really cool coincidence. Okay, that makes, that makes sense. <laughs> now that makes sense because they, I was like, they actually found an actor that looked like Forrest Whitaker. Like I could see it. And I was like, wow, they found like a really good actor. But now that you're telling me this is news to me, that was his son. That makes so yeah, much sense. But, um, <laughs> And then you find out sort of contextually, like, uh, Njobu, I think Njobu, yeah. yeah. Um, Excuse my accent. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that. Like, we Excuse might mess accent. up the accent a little bit. But um, he has sort of been, like, a traitor to, in, like, the Wakandan sense of, especially since he is technically royalty, um, which is just, like, an interesting twist from the very beginning. You're like, oh, okay. So now I don't know where the story is going because I I feel like from the trailers you like expected like oh there's just gonna be a superhero you don't realize they're yeah. brothers and like yeah. there's gonna be a father son tie you thought um, they were just like these arms dealers and he was about to just come in and start you know, yeah start you know sex. it wasn't gonna be biblical but it felt biblical I just want to let y'all know that yeah. little Cain and Abel situation since yeah. we are we still talk about faith on this podcast I mean the interesting thing was that first intro scene was when um, the, um, the younger Forrest Whitaker when he goes and he like looks through the through the door um, and he goes oh this is like I can't remember the name um, that he used to describe the soldiers and then when he just goes they won't knock twice I was like yeah you better open that door put that gun away before oh he didn't you say there's two ball headed chicks I he think. something Gracie I can't remember um, oh Grace Lo- Grace Jones looking yeah, chick that's yeah. what it was and I just like, started laughing I was like okay um, so I mean that's like this is like so it's just sort of set up from there and you see sort of like the traitorous thing which sort of is the theme throughout the film um, between the Black Panther and then what ends up being Killmonger. Um, and you realize that they're actually related, which is insane. Um, the best line of the movie, like that's like kind of not like a profound deep thought is Hey Auntie. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget Michael yeah. B. Jordan's face saying Hey Auntie. Yeah. One, because he's beautiful. And two, because 
the way he said it. Just, it felt like <laughs> very much of like reminiscent of like a very Fresh Prince like insertion of humor when it's yes. not supposed to be where he's like, hey, auntie. And like, of course, that's like very, because it's like Wakanda, Wakanda which is a very isolated African country, is a very African-American just like thing that he just like threw in the middle of that throne room. And I, even though he was the villain, there were several moments where I was like, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think of him as a villain. So we're, this is like another, so we can go into what the black experience and the Afri- to the African-American experience is around now. Like, I don't know if I felt like Killmonger was a villain. I mean, I think one of the great things about the movie is no one was perfect. No one was completely, there was no like black and white line between the, um, between <laughs> like good and bad, everyone had their imperfections. It had their good points and they had their imperfections that they needed to improve on. Improve on. Um, I think um, if we're going to focus on like Killmonger, like he made a lot of good points. I would like I, I was um, my friends that I went with. Um, two of them are Ghanaian and the other one is Nigerian. You know, I was kind of looking at them like you know down the road when he was making some points, and I'm looking like you know, <laughs> I wish I had some answers to my man's questions up here. <laughs> Um, My but, guy. <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is. But at the same time, I recognize that Killmonger, even though everything he was saying was good on paper, he was really the personification of the master's tools um, in terms of him being trained as like a Navy SEAL, like the CIA black ops, uh, black ops operative who just like topples governments like that's his job. And I'm like, y'all, the CIA agent is not the person you want to be building up societies. They just they burn it down. Like that's that's their job. Yeah, but I think that that's also interesting because like having friends that are directly from Africa and um, Caribbean nations, like there is a sense of like dissonance though between us, like just being the lost kids. And I feel like that's a little bit of what Killmonger like is personifies. He personifies like the American, the black American experience of wanting to be like equal, even seen as equal or like, like, accepted. <laughs> yeah, accepted. accepted. Like, like let me in the door. They brought him in. If correct me if I'm wrong, they still, they brought him ironically, like in handcuffs and like chains yeah. um, <laughs> into the throne room, which I was like, I've just thought of that. And I was like, that symbolism there, like you're talking about with distance was like, like you just said like, oof. Like, you, you kind of feel that. And even, um, like, Killmonger, like I said, he had good points. And even though the story is, like, fictional, that pain is very real. And, like, um, yeah. a lot of his anger, like, I've definitely felt before, um, you know, obviously in different ways. But you know it's just, like, it comes from, like, a very real place, which is why I, feel, I felt like he did such a great performance of, like, articulating that. Because that's not something you can just act out. Like, you, you could tell he, like, really felt some of that or at least knew what he was like acting out yeah um for other people for sure because i yeah i 100 percent agree like that feeling of oh we're like we don't know where we're from and but we but we do know where we're from and we know that they're kings and queens but sometimes that doesn't translate this direction it's fine you know colonialism um, <laughs> um you mentioned something speaking of colonialism the the white characters <laughs> And how they played, because you're talking about the CIA and mm-hmm. these sort of things, some of the white, one of the white characters um, specifically plays, is supposed to be a good guy. And he is a good guy. He, I feel like he personifies an ally, um, a white ally to the Wakanda nation. And then you have the other side, which is Claw. And he 
he's interesting because of the fact that he's also South African. Like, in the film, he's playing a South African person who is, like, he feels like he's entitled because of, I think also he's connected to the yeah. nation, like, the, yeah. the continent in which the Wakanda exists in. I mean, it was very interesting. He did. He definitely had this air of, like, um, I remember during the interrogation scene where he was like, I took all of it. I took a little bit. Um, and it was, you know, it, like, as though it wasn't a big deal, even though he, like, blew, you know, he killed, like, a bunch of people, including one of the supporting characters' parents. Um, I thought that was very interesting. Um, I I think that dynamic was very good for for um, for white people who were going to see the movie. Um, just to because I definitely know there were stats, and of course I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about anyone, but in terms of like seeing when there's like limited roles for like someone who looks like you in a movie and understanding why, like if you want to understand in part why this movie was so big or why there was so much hype around it. Um, and why representation really matters to people like just think of like when you see these two characters They're very limited roles. One of them gets killed off, you know may, Not even maybe halfway through the movie claw when he was um, shot by Jordan's character um, And then the other um, CIA agent he just kind of does his own thing. He just takes orders and you know does his own thing um, I think if you want to understand why representation matters or why people speak about representation Think about how it felt when you saw that and then apply that to the majority of movies that you've seen. Yeah. Um, and that's what it feels like. And it's, you know, the first time it's like, oh, you know, after maybe like nine, 90 movies of it, you're kind of like, all right, y'all, I'm starting to feel like some kind of way. And that's a very good insight um, that I think the, the film brought in terms of its, um, its non-black um, characters. Yeah, like for sure. I, I think that it's interesting when you have a film with literally three white speaking parts. That's it. The There were three? <laughs> yes, there was the white woman in the beginning who um, <laughs> oh. had to take the L from, from good old yes. Killmonger. Um, or if you count the security guard who like tried to run <laughs> and oh, then Jesus. got shot when he was like running down the hall. This is true. <laughs> Trying to spread out the crime scene. Um, but I, I just think that that's like a super... That's a super interesting idea that, like, they put that in there, and I don't... I mean, I'm sure it's intentional. I feel like there was no part of this movie that wasn't intentional. But having the absence of of white people in this movie is, like, pointed. And also, it's, it's supposed to show an idea of, like, a world uncolonized. So I think that, like, that's another thing to note. Um... But also, y'all can be, like, nice to people. Like, you, it's like sometimes you don't have to, like, ruin everyone's yeah. lives, in even in your representation. Right. And even understanding that what it means to be in another sovereign nation or another place and not um, necessarily try to, like, the idea of what it means to be respectful and to kind of take a backseat when it's other affairs that are going on. But what's interesting, one thing I thought about was with the CIA character. I can't remember his name, but... Um, <laughs> It was very interesting that even as he's helping the Wakandas, like that's the focus of his role in the movie, in a way he's also helping the U.S. government, which is also part of his job because he's keeping Killmonger from releasing these vibranium weapons into parts of the United States. Yeah. Um, so I think I think I think that's very interesting too, where even though he's doing this very supportive role, he's also doing the agenda of the U.S. government, which is his job as a CIA agent. Yeah. And then um, to see him, um, you know, at the, in the the final scene at the UN. Uh, I, I believe that was one of the, the post-credit scenes yeah. or mid-credit scenes. 
Um, thinking about now that, you know, and I'm sure they'll show it in a sequel or an in Infinity War, but um, where did, now that Wakanda is exposing itself to the rest of the world, where does the U.S. fit into that? I think that was like, you know, a good cliffhanger because, you know, knowing colonial history, you're like, here we go. And you just like hope for the best and that Wakanda, at least in this fictional universe, is strong enough to help other people around the world, but also resist um, being influenced by like other countries. I agree. And on that, we're going to pause to get Lauren in on this conversation. So hold on. Hey guys, Lauren just hey. came in. I didn't talk about it. Yeah, so just before we actually clicked record again, um, she brought up a really good point about the CIA guy. Mm-hmm. And like I have to make sure that they know that. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, cause I had a couple little notes after the film, just like on the small bits of whiteness in it. And she loved uh, it though, loved just so it. you know. It <laughs> was beautiful. And I'm excited to hear you guys process it and like just, you know process it myself along with you but um the CIA guy it was interesting like so at first when you know he's in there he was just annoying to begin with like the character itself was just annoying right like you were like like what? What is his name? Like no one remembers. His, no one even remembers. His we really name. gotta. He wasn't that memorable. <laughs> we really gotta remember his name. I feel like I feel I think he said Ross as the, like when they when they. Agent him, Ross. Like, Agent that's Ross. his name. That's his name. He's like the CIA guy, and no one remembers his name. Right. Which, like in our, you know, in our world, you know, here, not in Wakanda, that's like a really powerful position, right? Like I guess the CIA is important, and the FBI or whatever. Yeah, they're super hard like, roles to get. Yeah, it feels totes. like they like know too much and anything but um so I thought it was interesting because the a couple scenes and I don't remember I need to go see it again truly I need to but the scene that I remember um especially when he actually ends up flying the plane we were just talking about this that when she creates the plane for him to fly immediately he starts to kind of like he's asking you know he's worried obviously he's kind of freaking out and asking questions but it was just like she's just like just trust me and go like she had done all these things that like you said Dave you just said that about how Design oh, it. This tech. I just I'm a techie, so I'm just like <laughs> I was just continually baffled. She's like a genius. Yes. She just runs everything. The ultimate thirty before thirty. Um, just, <laughs> We're gonna it, talk about Princess Shuri and like a half minute. Yeah. Keep, keep going. <laughs> she designed it like an American plane that he would have flown before. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes to me, I kind of took that as like you know white people that are serving in communities of color. Like sometimes you just need to shut up and trust. Like you just need to listen. And you need to just take direction from the people already in the community instead of feeling like you have so much to offer that, you know, in his mind, he was probably used to controlling a lot of things and in charge of a lot of things. And he had to just kind of submit to them and their their technology, their design, their leadership, their culture in that sense. And eventually he did give into that and do that. And then he sacrificed on behalf of them, which was cool. Like eventually he was like, no, it's going to go down and now I'm going to stay on. You know, that was, I liked that moment. I think but. he got with the program after <laughs> um, the mountain tribe started barking at him. I think, I think once that, that occurred was when he was like, okay, I fully get the picture. Well, he had like a couple <laughs> transitions. Yeah. <laughs> because the scene before? Was well, like, yeah, because the scene before that is like them in the interrogation room oh, and Okoye is about ready to like impale him on a desk because he touched <laughs> her king. Right. <laughs> and, yes. and then, you know, it's just like, it's that moment where there's a lot of times where I feel like he did not want to like be like, okay, you guys can run this. Okay, you guys exactly. know what you're doing. Exactly. Like there was a, he had a build struggle. from There was a power struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he even said like, that annoyed me so much. Because when he touched him, he was like, yeah, you guys are lucky to be in this room. 
And I thought, man, sometimes you don't even like. He was definitely the weakest one in that room. That's and he called, had no idea. That's called diplomacy. Yes. And I was like, she literally was just saying she was going to impale you through a desk, and you didn't even pick up on no, it. No, not at all. Like, no, no. Even like the way she like stood, she the, like turned. Yeah. Which we're gonna talk about that womanhood in a minute. But like, it was insane. Like, the body language literally said like, stop. Like, touch him again. <laughs> I dare you. It. He did not. It did not go. It went right over his head, which does not surprise me. And that is that happens. That happens a lot. We yeah. Things, you know. So. Or even in the casino where they're talking about who's going to take Claw, and he's like, oh, well, I cut you a deal, or we'll cut, like, we'll kind of, like, give you, like, half, or something like that, and then um, T'Challa's like, no. No, actually. (laughs) Uh, We're taking him, I'm just letting you know, I I don't get in our way. Yes. And I love that moment because so very often, like, in another movie, those characters would have been it would have been pushed to just back down mm-hmm. and just kind of and to just go with it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that was a very powerful statement. Yes. Even though he didn't end up bringing him back, which was actually part of the conflict and how Killmonger actually even got into the throne room and to, to the challenge. Way. Yeah, it had to happen that way. Um, but I think that that's that's a part of. I mean, it's all part of the overall. Th- overall theme of this um one thing i do want to talk about since we're talking about that fight scene in the casino is Mm -hmm. the two women that are essentially they're like his his main people they keep him protected every time even when they're trying to Mm -hmm. even when she's trying he's trying to save one of them nakia and she's and okoye is like don't freeze yeah and then of course he freezes because he's a man Mm -hmm. and they don't take direction well in general. Um, <laughs> sorry about it, Dave. No, no, no. I, I, can, I have a full conversation about why men are trash by and large. I can, I can do that. We can do that another time. But I, I think we're pretty well aware, so you yeah. probably... No, I just listen. I can just be like, yes, like, let's go down the list. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that yeah. scene I thought was really funny because he has this, like, pride about, like, you know... You know, we all have awkward stories about seeing our eggs, and he's like, you know, I'm above it. Right. I'm good. I got this. And then after he like dives from a plane and he's kicking butt in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and just like bulletproof vest, bullets flying everywhere, kicking butt. He sees Lupita's character and then he just freezes. Like the guy the in the woman. <laughs> the power of a woman. Like he just Classic. freezes. He's like, yeah. hey. And then like the one guy, the one soldier was gonna shoot the the other um, person. But even I thought that restraint, kind of like you were saying, the intuition and power woman was to show that one of the soldiers that he was going to kill was mm-hmm. actually a very young kid yeah. mm-hmm. um, who they, which we know is a practice where they bring young men from villages and train them to kill. Yeah. And she was like, no, like he, cause he would have, he would have killed them. Yeah. Um, no questions asked. And so I thought that was really powerful for her to show, to be that role, to say like, no, stop. Like mm-hmm. it's not. Like, you don't know everything that's going on. Mm, yeah. um, and I like that he wasn't like, oh, like, no. Like, he actually, like, listens. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of that in this film. Yeah. You see, it's like, just men being like, oh, okay, you guys know best. Oh, okay, you are trust. you are the fight. Yeah. yeah like, like a natural, there's no question. You are just as powerful, able to be here. Not only be here, but, like, be the ones to have my back. In fighting, like in actual fight, like the Dora Milaje, no, like we are the weakest. His entire squad of yes. like soldiers yes. were like women who just kicked butt. That's it. Um, I love the scene where the CIA agent Ross, excuse me, Ross, um, when he picks, really gotta call uh, when he picks Lupita and uh, Akuye. Akuye. Mm-hmm. Akuye. 
um, picks her character up in the car, and then he goes, yo, put that spear in the trunk. I was like, because it's like a lethal weapon. Like, she's kicking <laughs> butt out here with that. Yeah, um, yes. So I thought that was that was awesome. And um, we're going to get to womenhood, but there's so much to, to yes, talk about so that was just really amazing. Um, I'm just going to put out my favorite character has to be Shuri. Um, she just she just brought so much to like the table that no one has seen before. Mm-hmm. I um, like that she was like smart and witty and then like but young and sort of like a lone wolf in her field because she knew everything she built everything even though it was a little odd that she like had no one else around her other than one time you were like, did, did yeah, you like do this alone? Her own? I know, she didn't have a team. I never thought about that. I mean, the idea that she essentially, from what you could see in terms of the vibranium mount, mm-hmm. she essentially made it very, like, self-sufficient. Like, and so it didn't really look like you needed necessarily, like, That's a true. team of people That's around. Mm-hmm. The most people we saw in there were, like, guards that were just there to kind of, like, make sure things didn't go wrong. Yeah. Um, and then even just the idea of, like, magnetic levitation for, like, light speed trains. And, and like, you know, I was like... And even that moment with Ross where he goes, oh, I've never, like, seen that before. Like, I've never seen it done that way. And a lot of times, you know, the United States, we kind of posture ourselves as, like, you know, we're at the height of everything. Um, And here you have this country that you think is just, you know, third world. Think it's below you. Third, quote, unquote, third world country, farmers and everything. And they have these things where, like, that literally you could not think of. Like, we don't, like, these are things you would see in, like, a science fiction movie. Yes, yes. But for the sake of the movie, it was contemporary, like, the plan, like 2018 was yes. like where it was set yeah. uh, or even this and the small things um, when she was like it's just like riding a hover bike um, so even the idea of riding a bike as simplistic as it is was like a very futuristic thing for Ross because he was like oh, hover yeah. bike <laughs> yeah. um, and I thought the way she was very casual about their advances was really awesome yes yeah. yes yeah but how she like when she goes to improve um, the black man with her suit in himself like she she He's, he questions her. He's like, my suit's fine. Like, I don't need a new one. And she's like, just because something is, yes. like, What's works or is functional. Something yeah. is, like, functional doesn't mean it can't be improved. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's, like, um, that was an amazing point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, also, I mean, also there was, in, even in that scene, I think that you get to see a little bit more of her humanity, too. Mm-hmm. Um, how much she loves and cares about her brother. How much she, like, wants to protect him. And so she's, like, trying to make things that make his job easier mm-hmm. as well, I think safer. is yeah. really interesting. Um, but I she's love her humor. I love her, her humor. humor. Yeah. The placement of her humor. Yeah, where she's like, like talking about his yes. sneakers because um, <laughs> they're silent shoes. Or she even inserts kind of more contemporary like humor where she was like, what are those? <laughs> yeah. um, which sounded like some of my middle school students, uh, which I, I, like you said, was very well placed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was interesting that even she was pointing out some of those dichotomies between like being traditional but also like yes. pushing forward towards the future where yes. like with his shoes when he had um, the very like traditional sandals on and then she goes, oh, the elders must have loved those. Um, and then she uh, gave him yeah. the soundproof shoes and she goes, I call them sneakers. Yeah. Um, to like always emphasize that like just because something like works doesn't mean we can't like do and things better. Things. Which I yeah. felt like was continuing like a, a, a large theme of the movie. Well, even in the formality of that, the traditional ceremony, like when and she yeah. just like cracks a joke. What does she say to him? Well, she like, yo, like this corset <laughs> is really tight. <laughs> like, so we could hurry this up. But that also goes to the womanhood part, like the femininity, how she didn't always want to be in like these like right. tight things like yeah corsets are the most uncomfortable yes. thing and that has ever want to wear them always like, no not at right. ever to and be honest costuming was awesome yep awesome 
awesome. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Everything. And especially when it came to those scenes where you see the different tribes all at one time. I think that that's like a beautiful testament to what Ruth Carter did. Mm-hmm. Like, I, hands down, <laughs> probably one of some of the best costuming. Yes. But I think it's because it you see the different parts of Africa in all, like, every one of the tribes. And I think that that's just, like, a testament to her study and her work, and that hands-on was amazing. But I do I do want to stay on that, um, like, the womanhood part, just because you have Princess Shuri, you have Okoye, and you have Nakia, who are three very different mm-hmm. characters, and they sort of represent three very different things. Yeah. Um, and different types of women, which is really cool, all in one. But they're also all, they all have the same... They all have each other's traits. It's just that, like, they execute them in different ways. Mm-hmm. Where you have Nakia, who's a spy, so she's gonna use whatever she needs to, like, save the day. Mm-hmm. And you have, you know, Akwe, who's the warrior and who, like, is extremely loyal. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. hands down, she's not your ride or die chick because she will kill you. I mean, I like also that even though Angela Bassett. Took, she, her character was more of a traditional Mother. role. Mm-hmm. She she never. I like that she never tried to hinder her daughter or Lupita's character right. from from being who they were. Yeah. Now the one time I'm mean, sure it was like giving her brother the middle finger. She was like like stop because she's the but mother. But that's out of like. No, but she's a mom. But that was the, But other than that, she never was like you need to dress this way. You need to like mm-hmm. be a certain way. Like she when Lupita came back, even though she's like off doing these these missions and things like that, she's just like welcome home. Like, it's very nice to see you. Like, thank you for your condolences. Yeah. All right, let's go do this traditional um, challenge day ritual fight. Um, Which was insane. And then, but you can still be who you are. Yeah. I really that's, like that she... Yeah. I feel like that's, that was, that's thematic for all of them there. I don't feel yeah. like there was ever a point when someone's ooh, like being questioned or like are acting the right way in a certain place or whatever. Women were just like able to be... Yeah. Yeah. Able to yeah. be. But like, they also, and they actually work. question what was norms mm-hmm. um, with the wig. If you, like, yeah. when Akoye was in the <laughs> yeah. casino and she had to wear that wig, and she was like, I want to get this disgusting thing off of you. This and I was like, well, like, norms this for here, right? Yeah. Because, like, norms for them were yeah. totally different. Like, it was, more, it was more powerful and honorable, it seems like. Yeah, to have the natural bald. hair. Because they had to earn that, right? Didn't it? Was well, it to, yeah, to be bald. Like, that was how you in, went into the Dora Milaje. You had to be bald um, to even mm-hmm. become a warrior. But it's also interesting when you see Nakia with her hair out to look slightly more traditional, even though it's still natural. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole time she's in Wakanda, her hair is sort of like more, it's, it's I think it looks like it's Bantu knots, like yeah, yeah. much closer to her head. But then when they go to South Korea, in order for her to blend in, mm-hmm. she like takes it out so it looks like a full fro, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I feel like as someone who's natural, I, I do, there are times when you have to like, I consciously think, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to a different space. I need to have my hair a certain way, yeah. even though I'm already natural. And like, I've embraced that part. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's still times when you're like, oh wait, someone's going to notice it. And in this case, it's like a covert op- yeah. operation. Yeah. So. And even the idea that they're going to another country and she's like, I'm going to wear my hair out um, because you know, you're going to another country. Like what are the expectations theoretically of like what a black woman should look like in, in South Korea, the expectation in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, even to know like how do I navigate that space and even when they were going into the casino, um, she speaks South Korean. So that kind of shows that she's a very well-traveled person. Like she knows mm-hmm. multiple languages, she's doing these things. Um, and just when they, even though she was the only one who spoke to the South Korean woman when they went in, both T'Challa and Okuye both understood what she said when yeah. she goes, what trouble is she talking about? I thought that was also, like, really cool to show, like, they just know, like, 
they just know multiple languages very casually and they don't have to mm-hmm. throw it out there the child was like oh like you know like, I gotta speak to her it was like Lupita takes the takes the role because and he steps this is her this is her area yeah. like I felt there was very much like this is your area of expertise like Okuye is leading the fight that's that's her thing Lupita yeah. does the covert op missions, that's where she's the going to take navigating. Right. She was very gifted yeah. with because yeah. of how well traveled she was. Yeah. And so. she led the mission in in the casino. She was the one who was like, I, you know, four or five Americans just walked in, we're looking for the buyer, like we need to do something now, like you need to make moves. Um, which I thought was like really important because you don't see that often. I think that was like one of the best things about the womanhood that was displayed mm-hmm. in the movie. You don't see these roles done this way very often mm-hmm. or at least not often enough mm-hmm. yeah I totally agree definitely agree with that mm-hmm. um so now we should i feel like we because we're talking about this like what this movie means to the culture right now what it'll mean in the future um as you can see there's like a, a myriad of parts we've actually left out like a large chunk of the story mm-hmm. which is um a little more to do with the fight scenes because we actually want you to see it like just see it and enjoy mm-hmm. it yeah. and like if you notice anything else, let us know. But what this movie represented to me was just like an, the super interesting. I am a first gen on one side. My mom is um, Jamaican and my dad is from the South. He's more African-American on that side. And so it's a very interesting, I feel like I live in the middle of this strange, like, I know where half of me comes from, but not really because... Caribbeans are also a part of the diaspora. Like they, they are also African immigrants that were came that came to their countries and after being colonized. Like I think that that's like an interesting point. And this movie makes you feel so many things because you're like there are traditions that you have to uphold. Um, being knowing where you're from, specifically, I just think of all the many people right now that are literal African American. Like. They, they're Nigerian, they're from Senegal, they're from Ghana. Like, they have and hold their traditions very sacredly in our, like, in our country and even in their art. Um, but then I think on the other side where you have African Americans that we feel like, I want to honor something and I don't know what I'm, but I don't know what I'm honoring because I can't, tact, like, there's no tactile re- way to reach back there. And then when we try and do things, there is a little bit of, like, pushback, like, Oh, you have natural hair. Why do you do that? And you're like, I mean, what? Why do I need to question this? So when, um, like I was telling before, when me and my three African friends we went to the movie, it wasn't just the four of us, but um, there were other people with us. But it was very interesting that even when we were going to the movie, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but what people were wearing to this movie was very, very important. I've never really thought about what I was going to wear to a movie but this was like a really big thing not just for me and my friends like you could see pictures from like different places around the country around the world where people were literally like dressing up like in very like traditional clothing or a lot of my friends who are who are african-american like being kids of african um, parents um who are like this is what i'm wearing and so it was interesting to see the four of us two of them are Ghanaian, one's nigerian then i'm african-american to see what we were wearing um, so my friend Raymond, he's Nigerian. He was born in Nigeria and then brought to the U.S. Um, and he had this like very traditional like Nigerian shirt on and everything. Um, then my two Ghanaian friends, um, Emmanuel, um, two of them are named Emmanuel, so I call them by their last name. So Blankson was wearing this like white shirt. You can see it was like very African, but he had like jeans and like sneakers on. Um, and then our other friend, my other friend Yawa, he had on his um, like a very it had an African print on this shirt and it was a button down with like a with a blazer. 
and, and we went to the movie and it was very interesting to, and I just wore I wore all black so I wore like a black shirt with jeans and like my new black Nikes um, with like the white lines through them um, and it was very excuse me it was very interesting to even see like in our clothing choices like how you can see some of that distance in I guess how we perceive the movie and Africanness and I remember when we were talking about what we were gonna wear. Um, we were saying like they were saying like we should you should wear like you know like a, a more like African shirt or something. And I was saying like no, I I just wouldn't feel comfortable because there is still that distance. Um, I will wear all black out of respect for the movie. Maybe I'll get a Black Panther shirt. I'll wear all black, but I won't wear what Raymond's wearing or what you're wearing because even though I am a descendant of Africans who were brought to the U.S., I am not. My, the distance is much wider than it is for, or longer rather, than it is for them. Um, and it was cool that that was, like, respected and understood, and it just kind of showed even, like, what we chose to, like, wear for the movie. Um, I thought that was really cool. That's super interesting. I went for the... I think I feel like I did both, which is also interesting because Black Panthers were all black. Like, that. so that is very traditional to what the American black experience is. But I, like had the black turtleneck, but then I had like a super long print skirt and my, I actually had my hair out for the film. So like, I think that it's true, like the way different people showed up for it. Um, and also like to think that, I think that there's also interesting conversation that your friends were inviting you to do it and you still didn't want to do it. Um, but then you have people who were like, you don't need to wear it, like don't wear it, like don't wear kente cloth or don't wear dashikis or anything like that. And I just think it's interesting that you have people that are telling you not to do something for a film when it's like, people actually dress up for movies all the time. We typically don't get to, but I think that that's something to take away. Like, it takes away from the idea that this is a superhero movie. Like, people dress up for Harry Potter, they dress up, which is not a superhero movie, um, depending Wars. on who you are. Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, I, even like Avengers, like, like other Marvel movies, they wear their t-shirts, that sort of thing, but like, for this one, it's like we aren't gonna. We might necessarily have a T-shirt with Black Panther on it, but it's like we can wear what we, what like we represent, and I think that that's a really cool point. And also to just like let people enjoy and celebrate the way that they want to, um, because I just seeing like especially young kids who felt pride in like having, you know, getting to wear like maybe something that they've never worn before. I know a lot of parents were like, we've been planning day outfits for months. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, because I think that that's like super cool. Like this is the closest I think we've felt to Africa, like the re in representation in a very long time. And I think that that's a major point that this movie is going to bring up is that we're actually not at that far, even though we feel very far. Feels, culturally, it feels very very distant and that's why like even though we had the comp like we had the conversation I, I like that my friends respected that i was like i'm going to wear all you know i'm gonna wear all black because that's how i feel like how i can show my connection without being like feeling like i don't want to say like appropriation because that's not the word but that's like the concept i want to get by yeah. of, like I, I can't wear something that shows a closer distance to like Africa or to Africa or different African cultures that I don't actually like experience. Like there are different remnants that like I, we we talked about before um, that we all share in terms of similarities. But again, like to recognize that like okay, there's that distance there, and to know that it was respected among like my friends. Like it wasn't like oh you sh you need to do this. It was like 
no, like, y'all understand, because we've had this conversation, like, 10,000 different times about mm-hmm. how different our experiences are, even, like, um, after I did, um, I did one of those, uh, DNA tests, and if you, um, you know, if you take it for what it is, it said I was, like, um, a good, like, 40% um, Nigerian or something, or, excuse me, like, 20, 25% Nigerian, but I can't go in and be like, you know what? I got my flag now. Like, I can't do that. Like, I don't have yeah, those Yeah, there's still a distance, there's too. Still, I feel like that distance has to be, like, respected, but that doesn't make it any less valuable than than other other members of the diaspora. Like, it's just a different one. Like, I think of it, even though, like, obviously independence is its own conversation, I still think I just view it as, like, different a different variation of the diaspora. Yeah. Whether they're African, Afri- uh, you know, kids of African parents who are born in the U.S., um, Caribbean American um, folk, African Americans, like different people, even like parts of Latin America that identify mm-hmm. with their um, African ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a way to like just show that like we're all part of the same story and 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 bring some positivity to to the narrative. Yes. Uh, speaking of positivity, this is. Um, I thought that this movie was really interesting because of the fact that it's not reactive art. Um, it's this isn't like oh. Um, something bad was done to us and like I'm reacting to what you're saying. Like this movie was made independent of anything. Like it was just like I want like Marvel's like this is another comic in this film we should make it. Um you have a creator like Ryan Coogler who could did an amazing job at building this world of Wakanda and I just think that that's that's something to be noticed is that there's nothing negative about any part of this movie. Like even in the death, the death of this, the death scenes in this movie are more honorable. Like they they're respected. It's reverent. It's not um, it's not in any way like a reaction to what is happening in America. Though I feel like that's how it's being seen in some in some different parts of the world, especially since there are people that are like. Like, how can you have pride in this? And that's, I mean, someone's always going to have something could to say. I mean, someone's always going to complain. That's yeah. why. But I, I, could you just, like, kind of expound on that? Like, I, I want to... Yeah, like, I, I'm just thinking of, like, there's, the, like, the we talked about this last um, last episode with the group that wanted to essentially, like, rate it badly because it was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah. Like, and you're like, uh, I don't think that it matters. <laughs> that was too much free time. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I, and so I'm just thinking of the many times that we've seen art that... Like, I, a little bit, I feel like a seat at the table. Like, that's a reactive piece. That's something that she's take, she's reclaiming, like, her seat at the table. And I think that that's a reaction. But it, not that it's bad. It's an amazing yeah. work of music. But I, what I'm saying is, like, this is independent of that. Yeah. Like, it's it, the point of this movie is to celebrate. Yes. Right. And I think that that's something that's very interesting and very important to note is, mm-hmm. no matter which side, like, I know some people are like, Team Killmonger or Team Black Panther, which is like, both of these teams are equally good and bad, actually, a little bit. Um, but I think that it's it's a part of embracing the culture um, in a different way because right now, I feel like in general, and this is just to the point of like, what is this doing for the culture? We are making art, people of color, I feel like are finally making art that they can enjoy that is joyful, that's from a space of joy, that's not always like, hey, I don't see myself. But instead of seeing myself in a happy place, I'm going to see myself in like... It's not a reaction to necessarily like a, a direct source of like pain. It's yeah. Like, it's like we're talking about an advanced 
African nation, although it is fictional, like, this is a great movie. And even the, I guess, pain-related aspects, which I, I would argue is one of the greater parts of the movie, is, like, it just shows that it's cyclical. Like, it started here, and even in dealing with it, it's done in a more honorable way than it is, like, um, just, like, straight up, like, revenge, per se. At least the way the movie ended. Yeah. Um, like, motives, of, at least for Killmonger, would be a little different. But, um, like, even when... Um, Spoiler. Even when um, T'Challa um, stabs, uh, Faley stabs Killmonger, and he talks about, instead of like saying, like, oh, I hate you, like, I hate your family, I hate Wakanda, he literally starts talking about how his dad um, was going to bring was going to bring him to Wakanda because the sun sets, um, break out the tissue, like, we're, we're like the best, like, eagle ever see. Um, and I felt like that was such, that's, that, that was such a, a, a beautiful moment because it shows, even in the pain, like, the, that the trauma and violence is, like, cyclical. And T'Challa and his family played a role in that because his dad was the one who killed his his brother and left um, Killmonger as a child there. Um, and I thought that was probably the the those scenes were probably the most beautiful. I think the um, ancestral plane scenes were phenomenal, like just cinematically like beautiful. Like yeah. the idea of like this is what the afterlife looks like. Um, but I have to say like. Killmonger's interaction with his dad, um, Sterling Brown was the actor. Sterling K. Brown. Uh, Sterling K. Brown. That interaction was probably the best and most painful part of the movie because you see him as a child and it reminds you that he's not just this like psychopath who's like just doing it just because like, no, he's like the violence is cyclical. Like he grew up without his dad. And even when he goes, um, what do you say? Uh, no tears for me. And then he goes, uh, what did he say? Help me. Um, he said, um, everyone... Yeah, no need that's to just worry. the way it is around here. Like, everyone dies. And I was just like, ugh. Like, that is that... It was beautiful and painful, but it also, like, is a way, I think, of, like... It pushes people to think about, like, what does it mean to heal? Yeah. Like, even... And I thought that was a good point. Like, it wasn't just about, like, oh, this person's mad. It's like, but how do we actually, like, resolve and, like, heal that, like, wound? And, like, I thought in part when T'Challa brought him to see the sunset, I thought it, that was his way of trying to, like, to do something to, like, not just, like, leave him there to, like, die. And he was even, like, we'll heal you. And it, he was, like, and then the that that last scene from Killmonger where I was, like, bro, you just, you're just stabbing me multiple times. And he's talking about um, his African ancestors being, you know, jumping off of slave ships because they would rather die um, than be in bondage. Um, I think that just, like, gets back to the idea of, like, even though he didn't necessarily find healing, like, it pushes the conversation of, like, this has to, like, stop. Like, if we don't stop and do something about it, like, it will just continue to happen. Okay. And I thought that was, like, gosh, that I honestly, like, almost, like, cried, like, when I saw it both times because you know that's just, like, like, when he was, like, everyone dies around here, you know it's set in a real place. Even though it's, like, a fictional movie, it's set in Oakland, California. Like, that's a real place. And mm-hmm. I think he, his dad died in 92. Um, one of the, the beginning scenes showed, like, the riots on the TV. Mm-hmm. Like, people are, like, literally dying in that area. So, like, I know especially for people from Oakland, they're, like, looking like, this y'all. <laughs> like, that, like, that was, like, real. Yeah. And I mean... I mean, what else is there to say about this film, y'all? I mean... One of the things, um, and I and I, I say critique, and I say critique in a way of like making things better, not tearing them down. Um, I like to make that distinction because a lot of times people think when you're critiquing something, you're just trying to like say it's a horrible film. Right. I'm saying this is a great film. Um, one of the things um, that we talked about was how Akuye, um, according to the comic book, um, so don't quote me on it, but y'all can look it up. Google's free. 
Um, she was in a queer. She was queer, and she was in a relationship with one of the other soldiers. Um, and that scene was cut from the movie, and it was actually replaced with her being um, in love or with um, Daniel Kaluuya. Yes, character. Uh, with his character, and so I thought that was very. I think I think that was a poor decision for whoever made that whoever made that decision to remove that part um, because you know there were time on Facebook I, I tend to go back and forth with people but um, I was definitely speaking on behalf of you know black queer folk who with um, you know because someone was like oh did it have to be in the movie like is there an unspoken rule that there has to be like a gay or queer character in the in the movie and I was and I said to them if there was an unspoken rule that that was the case we wouldn't be talking about it because it would be happening there would be no criticism. I was like, the better question to ask is like, how many are heterosexual relationships between strictly like straight men and straight women, is that always supposed to be in a movie? Because based on the movies themselves, you would think the answer was yes. You would have to assume the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was one, that that part being removed was um, one of the things I wish they hadn't done because mm-hmm. intersectionality matters. And I think there were a lot of black queer folk who wanted to see themselves in this movie as well not just as a black person but as a queer person as well and especially because this is a nation that was not affected by colonialism but in a way you still saw the like the gender roles of like colonialism like a colonialism that you see in it um and i'm not talking about no one was talking about let's derail the whole movie to be about a queer relationship like no one's saying that but if we're talking about representation um particularly for like black folk in this movie like there are multi-layered kind of black folk. And, like, I just thought that was just one of those things where I wish they had left that in there. Mm. To have that be just as normal as so many of the other moments yeah. that were just yeah. as normal. You know, the women being strong. It's just, like, just have a relationship, like, in there. That's a, no commentary on yeah. it. Like, this exists here in this place as well. Not like, a 10-minute scene. Mm-hmm. Not, like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of times I feel like when you critique a movie, people will make it seem like you're saying we should just burn the whole script and just right. do something different. Yeah. It's like, no one is saying that. They like, been very small, but very powerful. Because, right. I mean, also, most of the love scenes were very small. They were. They were I mean, one, yeah. the, there's, there's only one that's super powerful, but the rest of them are, like, it's an under, it's an undercurrent yeah. of the whole film, not, like... You're right, which is really interesting, too. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, that's, it's an important... There were no sex scenes, right? Nope. Nothing. Nope. Wow. Four hundred four million dollars by President's Day weekend. Um, four Sex days into it, just, isn't that and, the thing that sells? Yeah, go. and they all the women completely covered. Yes, all the men yes. except for Killmonger completely covered. But that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we're not complaining. No one's gonna complain about seeing Michael B. Jordan. And I mean, for me, like with superhero movies, I'm always interested to like know like. For me, like, when I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, it's a superhero movie. Like, are these love scenes like necessary? But I also think it's like to bring an aspect of humanity yes. to like the people like they're not just these like people with powers mm-hmm. um but again i think that's why having that multi-layered representation mattered yeah um and um another thing i want to get i hope we get into uh, after this is like talking about like what does this mean for like caribbean folk because a lot of this movie was about represent representing the african-american and african connection and mm-hmm. like wh- how complicated that is and i'm african-american I'm, I'm always here for it but i also think about there are other kind of black folk who are watching this movie and like, do they see themselves in it? I know they mention, you know, Africa, they mention people of the diaspora very like broadly in the movie, mm-hmm. but there definitely wasn't like a kind of like a where do Caribbean folk or, or Afro or Afro Latino Latinx folk who who are looking to see themselves because um, even with my middle school students, when I would talk to them about Black History Month, I was like, 
y'all understand that I'm African American because I'm African and American. Like y'all, I put it on a whiteboard, and they were like, "Yeah, that makes total sense to me." I was like, "For some of y'all, it's the same thing. You just gotta swap out American, and it's just like Spaniard or French. Like these are like, or in some for some folk who have Indigenous heritage, like." This equation is very simple. If you can understand my existence, certainly you can understand, like, yours. And how it's different, but also, like, very similar, like, and, like, how we, like, relate to each other. Yeah. So. No, that's, I mean, I agree. Um, as someone who is part Caribbean, I think that those stories are still being written. I feel like it's a very interesting, because, like, my mom is literally from Jamaica, and she went to see it, and she, I, she felt represented. But I think that it's also different when they... Like, I don't think that they've seen, they've thought of their stories in that same way. Like, I, until this movie, I don't think many people thought of their stories mm-hmm. to be grandiose and powerful and beautiful in this same light. So I feel like that's something that we'll see in the future. Like, especially when you think of Latinx people, like, I just think of so many uh, Latina women right now that are very much so like I am like writing my story in like Gina Rodriguez is very vocal about the fact that we need representation for Latin Latinx women. Um, So I think that right now you're that's a big part of the shift is that we're going to see. I just think of like my friend Garvin's who's who is I was reading his watching his Instagram stories and he's like I'm gonna write a Haitian superhero superhero and I just think that's amazing and then he was like wait there is one but why does it have to be about voodoo I don't want to do that and then so he he said um, he said he's gonna make her a woman and I was like I think that that's just amazing like I feel like you're you're just gonna have a lot of people from this movie reclaiming their story. And writing it, yeah, themselves. celebrating themselves. Would that look like for everybody to be celebrated in spaces like that, just to have, yeah, have their own, what kind of a story, right? Yeah, <laughs> they can all have their own handshake, and that would be really interesting. Or even to think about what a world would look like, necessarily, you know, to a certain degree, like when, like, like where you can exist, where uh, effects of colonialism aren't necessarily present. Mm-hmm. Obviously, within reason, like there always be like you know little parts here and there, but like thinking about that and that's what I do a lot in some of my writing um I just like try to make it so like I, I try not to make it I try to I do it in first person so like you are reading like I so you can see yourself and then I try not to get too much into um like physical descriptions of what people look like because I want people to like imagine like what does this scene like look for you because it looks different um for different people I remember one time I had a dream about one of the stories I wrote and I was a white guy and I just remember I was like what I woke up and I was so upset. I was like, "Hold up!" Now I was like, "Colonial." I was like, "It's literally in my brain." Because I was like, "How is it that I pictured myself mm-hmm. as like a white guy, like in my own story?" And so, like, I've definitely been more conscious about when I'm writing, like making sure, like, I know what I want it to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope that like other people are are able to do that and and, and like you know rectify a lot of the a lot of the effects that, that uh, like colonialism comes with that, especially, like, in terms of, like, family, like, dynamics, which can be, like, very tricky because I know um, a lot of, you know, Latin folk who are... It's definitely, like, the younger people who are identifying more with their African heritage. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of families there, it like, that's very new mm-hmm. um, for a variety of reasons that we don't have time to get into. Um, so I definitely hope there are people who are out there, like, writing those stories and, like, recognizing that, like this is an image of, like, a great African space mm-hmm. that, like, you can be proud of. And, like, 
I think everyone really should see images of a decolonized like Africa because I feel like we're so used to just seeing mm-hmm. hum, um, the humanitarian aid commercials. You know, I'm talking with uh, Alyssa Milano and mm-hmm. oh, all yeah. these things of just like in poverty and like war stricken and all these things. And it's like, but I think it's important for white people to see the movie. That's why I said everyone, exactly yeah, mm-hmm. everyone needs to like see this yeah. movie so you can understand that like it's not always about like poverty. Like, I, I almost put out a status and I was like, look, if you have seen Tyler Perry movies, but you have not seen Black mm-hmm. Panther or refuse to see it. Like, I can <laughs> I can only assume that you prefer to see my people as like sad, mm-hmm. depressed, and pain, or like clowns. Like there's really like and you know no shade to Tyler Perry, but I was like that's the only conclusion I could draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely like everyone go see this movie. Yes, agree. for real, everyone multiple times that. because you won't get everything the first time. Like no. you just you won't. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say to everyone. Um, please make sure we support this, or excuse me, support A Wrinkle in Time the way we're supporting Black Panther. I saw a post yesterday where it's like, we need to like uplift this movie just like we did Black Panther. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a black girl. She's, um, interracial in the, it's a, gender, yes, um, a mixed, um, a mixed child in the movie. Like, I think this like, we need to support it. Yeah. Um, it's a very, it's fantasy. If you like Black Panther, A Wrinkle in Time was a fantasy movie. You don't. They were, you, they edited across yeah. the hall yeah. from each other, y'all. Yeah. Like we, come on, yeah. eight months together, Ava and Ryan, we're yeah. Just like, do it. You don't have to have do read. It. You don't have to read the book prior. I doubt people saw read Black Panther comics before they saw this movie. Like, just make sure we support it just as much, um, because this movie is gonna mean a lot to a lot of people, just like Black Panther does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the last thing I wanted to say. And with that, we're gonna say bye, y'all. This is a this is a good conversation yeah. about all the things Black Panther. Um, if you would like to give us a few tips and or have an idea of what we should cover next you should email us at the intersection podcast at gmail.com you can follow along on twitter and instagram on the intersect pod so rate subscribe share and we'll catch y'all in two weeks have a good one